Hello, and welcome to episode 49 of Science Solutions and Sprinkles. Today, we're talking about the book, The One Thing. It is by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. I read this book years ago when I was doing my time-managed planner business, and I really just needed to revisit it, and so I'm writing it up in a podcast, giving you guys all the juicy details and great information out of it. Again, the book is The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. I had yet another great business idea last week. I ran it by my husband. I haven't even finished the business plan for my last great idea, so I really decided that I needed to make a plan before I put any capital investments into anything. My husband said my bu- b- new business plan sounded like a shotgun blast. I laughed because he's right. I have a new job, this podcast, I'm homeschooling our kids, and taking my first graduate level course through Michigan State University on food law and regulations in China. The last thing I need to do is to start another business. Even if it has to do with an existing business or it complements a business, uh, I will write it down and get to it someday. The whole shotgun blast train of thought brought me back to this book that I read back in, I would guess, 2013, 2014-ish. And it's this, the one thing, and it's this surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. Uh, When I talk about Gary Keller, he is of the famous Keller Williams in real estate. So the beginning pages have a Russian proverb, and I'm going to do a lot of quotes from this book, so bear with me. But the beginning pages of this Russian proverb, as you flip through them, if you chase two rabbits, you will not catch either. And there's so much truth in that. If you go after too many things, you're not going to get what you want. And as I mentioned, this book is littered with great quotes. He has great wisdom, insights. He opens with this dialogue from City Slickers in the beginning of the book. And it's between Curly and Mitch. And Curly says, do you know what the secret of life is? Mitch says, no, what? Curly, this. He holds up one finger. Mitch, your finger? Curly, one thing, just one thing. You stick to that and everything else don't mean shit. Mitch, that's great, but what's the one thing? Curly, that's what you've got to figure out. So this book is just full of so much good information. And and as I read through it, I'm not even sure that I read fully through it the first time. There's just so many things to learn from it. Questions like, What is the one thing that you can do this week such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary? Keller says, where I'd had huge success, I had narrowed my concentration to one thing. And where my success varied, my focus had too. He calls it going small, saying that the extraordinary results are directly determined by how narrow you make your focus. You only have so much time and energy, so when you spread yourself out, you end up spread thin. You want your achievements to add up, but that actually takes subtraction, not addition. In the second chapter of the book, he talks about the domino effect. He talks about that domino causing that cascade, that one little thing causing a cascade of other things. And he emphasizes that great things take time. When you're gathering knowledge or you're gathering skills or you're even gathering money, accumulating that stuff takes 
time. But it only takes a little domino to knock down a whole bunch of other things. In chapter three, he talks about success leaving clues to tell us about the one thing showing up time and time again in the lives of the successful. That focus really helping people. The book has three parts with chapters in them. Part one is the lies. So the things that mislead and derail us. He leads the lies with a Mark Twain quote. It ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. The one thing becomes difficult because we've unfortunately bought into too many other things. And more often, those other things muddle our thinking, misguide our actions, and sidetrack our success. In part one, he talks about the six lies between you and success. The first one, everything matters equally. The second one, multitasking. The third, a disciplined life. Four, willpower is always on will call. Five, a balanced life. And six, big is bad. And again, these are all lies. So these are not actual truths. These are the things that we debunk. So let's look at each of them. Chapter four, everything matters equally. Equality is a lie. Achievers always work from a clear sense of priority. He talks about the Pareto principle, which would be, you know, 20% effort gets you 80% of your results or 20% of your customers cause 80% of your problems. There's a lot of ways to apply the 20-80 rule. He does an illustration with six could do's and four should do's. The success list is the should do's. You don't just do everything that you can do or could do. You do the things that you should do. Doing the most important thing is always the most important thing. Again, the lie is that everything matters equally. The next lie that we tell ourselves in chapter five, he talks about multitasking. He quotes Steve Uzell in saying, multitasking is merely the opportunity to screw up more than one thing at a time. And he poses the question, why would we ever tolerate multitasking when we're doing our most important work? Basically, distraction undermines what you are trying to do, which is get results. And I would, could not agree more that multitasking is a lie. Chapter six, a disciplined life is also another lie. He highlights that you can become successful with less discipline than you think for one simple reason. Success is about doing the right thing, not about doing everything right. Another lie, chapter seven, willpower is always on will call. Willpower is a lie because the more we use our mind, the less minding power we have. He addresses that you have to make doing what matters most a priority when your willpower is at its highest. So he encourages doing the one thing early in the morning. Chapter eight, lie number five, a balanced life. I had a picture in one of my presentations for Time Manage that had a woman, particularly a large woman, sitting on the fender of a tractor to balance it while her husband drove it without one of the front tires. And I used to use it to illustrate the myth of a balanced life. I recently, before revisiting this book, heard the quote, 
There is no such thing as work-life balance. There are work-life choices and you make them and they have consequences. I think this subject would be a whole other podcast. A balanced life is a lie. We make the choices that we make and we should do that the right way. Back to the one thing book though. He says things like, attend to all things and everything gets shortchanged. And to achieve extraordinary result, you must choose what matters most and give it all the time it demands. This requires getting extremely out of balance in relation to all other work issues. Or when you act on your priority, you'll automatically go out of balance. Chapter nine, the final lie, he mentions big is bad. The takeaways from that chapter are to think big. If the goal is 10, ask how you can reach 20. Think different. People who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who actually do. He talks about acting bold. Big thoughts go nowhere without bold action. Don't fear failure. That's part of the learning process. So those were the lies. Part two focuses on the truth. My favorite part from the intro is when he says, if you can honestly say, this is where I'm meant to be right now, doing exactly what I'm doing, then all the amazing possibilities for your life become possible. To me, this is the epitome of being present. Present in that meeting at work, present when your kid is telling you a story, present when your spouse tells you about something they read. Excuse me. Chapter 10, he talks about the focusing question. He pulls advice from Carnegie and Mark Twain and really focuses on that good questions are more important than the answers. I'll post some of these questions on my blog so that you can can do it. The, the biggest question, I've already said it once, what is the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? It talks about having that big picture versus your small focus. So you want to have the big picture, but also have your small focus. What can you do right now towards your big picture? Chapter 11 talks about the success habit. So start with the big stuff and see where it takes you. What is the one thing for each area of your life, uh, for your spiritual life, for your physical health, for my personal life, for my key relationships? What is the one thing for my job, for my business, for my finances? Maybe the spiritual life, it's the outdoors. Maybe it's school and socialization. Maybe it's that, that monetary goal you have. Maybe it's buying real estate. What's the one thing for each area? This is really helpful for me because one thing may not feel like enough. Saying that you can only focus on one thing, it's, it's not realistic for me. But in this part of the book, that's where it really gets real life for me. That I can have one thing for an area of my life and how I'm going to improve that area of my life. Chapter 12 talked about the path to great answers. And he does a quadrant with questions, asking a great question. You can have a big question, a broad question, a small question, or a specific question. So think of big at the top, broad to the left, small at the bottom, and specific on the right. Questions can be big and broad, 
broad and small, small and specific, or big and specific. And you really want to focus on the big and specific questions. Like, instead of asking, how do I get to two times my sales this year? How do I get 10 times my sales this year? Asking those specific and big questions of yourself. Part three of the book, Extraordinary Results. Unlocking the possibilities within you. In the intro here, he talks about productivity is driven by purpose and priority. Chapter 13 is called Live with Purpose. There's a George Bernard Shaw quote that says, Life isn't about finding yourself, life is about creating yourself. And I revisit this quote at least once a quarter. It's used in my quarterly time managed planners, which means I have to see it once a quarter as I work through my planners. And I just love it. I'm going to say it again for you. Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. Live with purpose. Chapter 14 is to live by priority because purpose without priority is powerless. The farther away a reward is in the future, the smaller the immediate motivation to achieve it. He emphasizes the importance of goal setting. So you may have your someday goal, which is your one thing, but you also have your right now, and that's asking yourself, what's my one thing? So your one thing is that thing that's far out there, but right now, what's the one thing I can do right now? And that kind of loops back to that domino effect earlier in the book. Chapter 15 is to live for productivity. Time blocking. That is something I used to teach and I still use block time for the things that are important to you, for your priorities. If disproportionate results come from one activity, then you must give that one activity disproportionate time. Peter Drucker said, efficiency is doing the thing right. Effectiveness is doing the right thing. So time block and protect your time. I used to encourage clients to get a do not disturb sign to put up when they needed focused time. Chapter 16 is the three commitments. The three commitments to your one thing. So number one is to follow the path of mastery. Number two is to move from E to P. And I'll explain what that means. Three, live the accountability cycle. So one, follow the path of mastery. When you can see mastery as a path, you go think about it instead of a destination you arrive at, it starts to feel accessible and attainable when it's a path that you go down instead of a destination. Moving from E to P means moving from entrepreneurial to purposeful. And I must have missed this chapter a couple years ago or this portion of the book. But he defines entrepreneurial as doing what comes naturally and purposeful as doing what comes unnaturally. I've often described myself as a serial entrepreneur, and it is something that comes naturally. Starting a new business, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, but being purposeful is doing what comes unnaturally, doing the thing that requires focus to get to that big purposeful success. So priority, purpose, and productivity. And number three is to, of the three commitments is to live the accountability cycle. Basically, he's talking about not being a victim, taking ownership of your outcomes. Chapter 17, he talks about the four thieves that rob you of your productivity. The first one's the inability to say no. 
my thought on this is you can't please everyone, so don't try. Learning to say no could be a whole nother podcast as well. Number two, the fear of chaos. I actually posted about this on Facebook the other day, something along the lines of clean spaces and non-screaming children are your thing, then I don't have anything for you. I'm definitely not afraid of chaos. Albert Einstein said, if a cluttered desk is a sign of a cluttered mind, of what then is an empty desk a sign? At least it's attributed to Albert Einstein. And my desk is covered in books and paper and tablets and keyboards and it's chaos. Poor health habits is the other thief that robs you of productivity. High achievement and extraordinary results require a lot of energy. So you have to take care of your body so that you have the energy to achieve those extraordinary results. The fourth thing is an environment that doesn't support your goals. And this isn't just talking about like having a desk set up or having an office space or having the home. It's no one succeeds alone and no one fails alone. So you need the right people to support you on your journey. And that's what chapter 18 is, the journey. Taking it one step at a time. Any moment in time, there can only be one thing. And that's why you should get rid of the multitasking. He talks about this Cherokee story, and I'm just going to read it directly to you. One evening, an older Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside all people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us. One is fear. It carries anxiety, concern, uncertainty, hesitancy, indecision, and inaction. The other is faith. It brings calm, conviction, confidence, enthusiasm, decisiveness, excitement, and action. The grandson thought about it for a moment and then meekly asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee replied, the one you feed. So in closing the book, The One Thing, I want you to put it to work. Put the one thing to work in your personal life, with your family, at your job, with your work team, at a nonprofit, at school, at church or your place of worship, and in your community. Stop being a shotgun shotgun blast is my joke here. I love the quote, be a stamp, stick to one thing until you get there. So I encourage you to read the book, The One Thing, or listen to this podcast over and over again to get the bits and pieces. I'll be putting together some summaries of other books I'm reading, including Play Bigger and Blue Ocean, Crossing the Chasm, some books that I've been turned on to lately. And I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. I hope that you can live by the one thing. I know I plan to. This is Sarah Jane with Science Solutions and Sprinkles. Thanks.